Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right, everybody. How's everybody doing? All right. A little bit of excitement there. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, um, you can go ahead and have a seat. And uh, let me uh, run some things by you before we get into groups. We can do some discussion as we always do. Warm up the brain. Get to know people around you. Um, first of all, Easter is in two weeks. It's early. Out of all the days that I should know, that thing just crept up on me. So I was like, whoa, we got a plan for Easter. So we're meeting uh, tomorrow, the staff, and uh, plan out some Easter stuff and uh, make it a fun day. Great day um, just to be able to invite people. And uh, we're going to do some, uh, some fun things that we're all going to participate in. So, all right. So you might have to do some running or walking, so make sure you stretch that day. Maybe wear some tennis shoes, but it's going to be a it's going to be a fun day. So Easter's in two weeks. Just want to give you a heads up on that. This is the last week of uh, connection groups before we take a two week break, and then we're going to do another six weeks after that. We're going to keep them real short. And so, uh, just if you are in a connection group, this is the last week. And if you want to sign up for one, we have three options. We have a video option on Wednesday night, and then uh, we host two at our home around uh, the fireplace outside and it's really nice so you have a Wednesday and Thursday night option you can go online and you can sign up for the connection group that'll start in April uh, again just want to remind you that uh, the worship songs and then any sermon notes um, also um, Bible verses things like that you can go to our church app which is really easy to find now you don't have to go through uh, all kinds of different methods to do it you can just um, search um, on Apple or Android, you can just search under the apps for Access Church. We're the green and black icon. So there's other ones. We're the green and black icon. And so I just want to give you a heads up on that. All right, guys, for the sake of time, um, I'm going to pray. And while I pray, if you need to turn around, move around, if you want to get back in the sun, that's kind of your chance to do that while I pray. Uh, we're going to be, just so you know, or you can just do it now. Um, we're going to be in John 16. If you want to grab your Bibles or on your church, on the church app, or if you've downloaded the Bible, John 16. And then we're going to move to John 18. So we're going to be between John 16 and 18. Jesus, um, what I love about every day, but especially Sundays, we get to, we get to look at the words of someone that didn't just claim to be a good dude, but claim to be God. And to me, that changes all human philosophy. It changes all um, perspective because your words carry weight. You're also someone, Jesus, that death did not keep you down. You overcame death and you give us perspective and hope and vision for this life. And I pray that we can just learn from you because you have life for us. So God, give us the hearts and the minds to receive that none of us would leave here today encountering God, but not being changed by him. You allow suffering for a reason because you could stop all suffering with a snap of your fingers. So we want to learn why. We want to learn about you. We want to learn about life. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, the thesis of today, I, I want to start off with a statement so you know exactly kind of where we're going. 
So if you want to write this down or if you forget anything, this is kind of the, 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 the main point for today. I'll give that to you and then we'll kind of flesh that out. Success in life, success in life requires, it requires, if you lack this, you will lack success 100% in, in your work, in your relationships, personally, but most of all, in your relationship with God. This is more important than any education you get because that is built upon this ability in your life. Success requires the ability to embrace and overcome suffering. It requires it. Parents, to teach your kids, when, when you negate them from encountering suffering, you negate them from learning a key thing in life. So in your ability to love, you cushion the blow and they never grow strong. And what's a benefit now hurts them later on in life because you cannot always be there. So as parents, we teach our kids that, no, you can embrace and you can learn to overcome suffering. The problem is that our human nature is this. We want to be exempt from it or we consider ourselves a victim of it. And when you consider, when you want to be exempt from it, that means that's where you bring in all the self-preservation, the drugs, the entertainment. So let me just medicate myself through just not having to think and just being, and, and what happens is we want to be exempt from having to deal with maybe the suffering that's happening internally, the mental, emotional suffering, or it could be relational, it could be financial, it could be physical, all these things, right? So we have this human need maybe, or it's a desire where we want to be exempt from it. So we try to avoid it or we become a victim of it, which means there's nothing I can do and we give up, right? I'm a victim. And, and that, that mentality then keeps us from truly having success in our life. Jesus talks about this in John 16, 33. We've been going through the last month, um, John 14, 15, and 16. Jesus is, is speaking a lot of words right before he's about to uh, die on the cross. And remember I talked about that. If, if you ever want to really get to the meat of life or have some serious conversations, you talk to someone before they're about to pass away. Uh, before my mom passed away, we had our greatest conversations. Uh, before Because... Where you, where you go on vacation? What'd you eat last night? Those things don't matter when it's like, I'm about to, to leave this place. Let's really talk about what matters, right? And so Jesus is giving um, kind of his final words and, and for a reason, and he, he says it over and over again. In John 16, 33, he reminds us of why he's been talking in John 14 and 15. John 16, he says this, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In Jesus, you find peace. Apart from Jesus, there either isn't peace or there's false peace. It's manufactured. It's not real, right? And we talked about that last week. Real peace is found in Jesus. And he goes on to say, he says, in this world, you might have trouble. Is that what your Bible says? In this world, you won't have trouble. 
in this world, I will keep you from trouble. Does, does your Bible say any of those things? Dumb Bible. Darn it, right? No. In this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble. What's the key word there? Will. Not even trouble. It's will. You will have trouble. And he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He says, everything I've told you is to give you peace. You're going to need peace. Why? Because there's going to be suffering in life. And if you, you don't have peace in Jesus, you won't be able to handle that suffering. What do you mean handle the suffering? You won't be able to overcome. You'll be overwhelmed. And when you're overwhelmed, that's when you become paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by sadness, or you become active, but it's in a destructive way or in a numbing way. It doesn't truly grow you or help you or the people around you. Now, when he talks about all these things that I've said, let me just remind ourselves of what he's been saying because we've been talking about this over the last few weeks. If you go back over the sermons, right? How does Jesus give us peace in the midst of suffering? Well, he says, first of all, remember in John 14, he says, I want to give you peace as far as, listen, your suffering won't be forever. It'll be momentary because there's heaven forever. Now, life here doesn't seem momentary, right? Any of us that have suffered for longer than five minutes, one month, two years, 10 years. But in the perspective of um, eternity, your 50, 60, 70, 80 years here, it's momentary. And so he says, I want you to have perspective. How do you have peace? By having perspective. That even if this doesn't end now, it will eventually end. And he also, we talked about in heaven that he wants to reward us. And one of the ways he rewards, he rewards in many ways, but is by suffering righteously. Not just suffering, because some of us suffer and it's not righteously. Right? We lash out. Or maybe we withdraw. We hurt relationships. We hurt ourselves. Or we numb ourselves. It doesn't, again, we're not overcoming, we're overwhelmed. And so he says, listen, you are rewarded when you say, listen, I might suffer or I will suffer, but I will do it righteously. I will do it in a way that honors God. I will suffer at work. I will suffer in the home. I will suffer in the body. And so he says, listen, he tells us about heaven. Then in John 14, 6, he says, I'm going to give you the spirit of God and I'm going to put it in you, not around you in you. The uniqueness about Christianity is how personal it is. It's what separates it from all other world religions. We talked about that. It is very personal. That it's not just about we believe in a God that's way out there and he's alive, but he says, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to leave you, but it's good that I leave you because I'm going to give the spirit that is in me, I'm going to put in you when you put your faith in me. Anytime you say, I surrender my life to Jesus, forgive me of my sins, I receive that, his spirit is given to you as a deposit and as proof that you are saved. And we talked about that, that it doesn't mean that, you know, when that happens, that all kinds of weird things happen, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's in faith. And now the spirit is going to guide you and lead you and give you new instincts, give you new desires, give you new thoughts that will now be to honor him. So he says, listen, when you suffer, just know that God is with you and that God is in you. And John 16, 13, he says, and the Holy Spirit will guide you. So when I suffer, I know that I'm rewarded for it. I know it won't last forever. I know that God is in me and that God will get me through it. How do I know that? Because of seeing the suffering of Jesus. He is our example. Notice the suffering that he went through. Again, he lost a parent at a young age. Again, reminding you that 
He was trying, uh, people were trying to murder him since he was a baby. That's suffering. His family was having to flee. He was poor his whole life, financial suffering. His own family did not believe his own words when he said, I'm the Messiah. They mocked him. That's suffering. Have you been mocked by your family? Have you lost a loved one? Have you felt like you've been chased? Someone's trying to defeat you. Someone's trying to hurt you. Jesus says, I know what that's like. I feel alone. Jesus says, I felt alone. In fact, the spirit drew me out into the desert for 40 days by myself. Couldn't talk with someone. Couldn't pray with someone. It was just me and the father. I know what that's like to be in a desert. There's nothing you can go through that Jesus says I can't identify with. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews, he's a suffering savior. It makes him unique. That's the difference between, again, Christianity and everything else. All other religions are about avoiding suffering. And Jesus says, no, we're going to embrace it. And again, we're going to get to the reason why. Because <laughs> sometimes you guys right now are like, bro, this is a downer. Like, all right. But no, there's a reason for it. But again, this peace that he gives us is, I'm giving you heaven. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. So this happened in John 14. This happened in John 15. And that's why he says this in John 16. I have told you these things about heaven. I've told you these things about the Holy Spirit because you're going to have suffering. If you read again in John 16, I'm not going to take time today, but he's preparing them because he says, listen, uh, if you're a Christian, the world in a sense is going to reject you. The world in a sense, when you talk about Jesus, when you talk about truth, when you talk about forgiveness of sins, people are going to reject that. In fact, not only are they going to reject it, they can might make life difficult because of it. Some of us have experienced that, even in our own families. Ostracized maybe because of our faith. Or maybe just because as we try to live out our faith, we've been mocked for it. That's happened to me. I remember many times working in jobs that were outside of ministry where people, why don't you participate in the sexual stuff or getting drunk or the jokes or just lie there, just tweak that. The boss won't care. And when you try to say like, no, I really want to honor God, there's a, not maybe a lot of respect for it. It's like, oh, you're missing out. I remember even in college, we, you guys know I love to debate. And so I was in philosophy class, world religion class, right? And you can say God and spirituality as much as you want. People are like, yeah, awesome. Well, you know, Jesus says, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> right? You literally bring up the name of Jesus and all of a sudden people get tense and people, why? Because, well, Jesus calls us to something. He draws a line in the sand. He's saying there's death, there's life, there's evil, there's good. There's human rebellion that needs the forgiveness of the one who created them. And that's difficult for us. It's not an intellectual thing, though, because even Paul says, he reminds us in Ephesians 6, saying, our struggle is not in flesh and blood. Our struggle is a spiritual one, not a material one. That is why when we're confronted by people, or that's why when we're maybe we're persecuted, the Bible says, don't go after them. Remember, it's a spiritual battle. If we don't have Jesus, we've all been deceived in our head and our heart, thinking I can, I can get my own way to heaven. I can create my own heaven here on earth. I can create, and that's a lie. But he says the battle is one of a spiritual one, not a material one, not a relational one. That's why it makes sense where Jesus says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, which we practice in connection groups. We practice in connection groups this week as far as praying for people that are adversarial towards us. I'm not going to get even. I'm going to pray for them. Why? Because I care about them because it's a spiritual battle. This is important. Jesus is going to illustrate that. He's, he's talking to the disciples about this. 
And he, we're going to have an illustration of this in John 18. Go over a few more chapters now. Because remember, Jesus is about to go to the cross. Just so you know, we're going to skip John 17. It's a huge, long prayer. Jesus prays almost the whole chapter. Um, but we're not going to necessarily be talking about that. So we're going to skip 17 if you want to read that. You can kind of see how Jesus prays and what he prays for. John 18. Look at what suffering looks like and how Jesus responds to suffering and how Peter responds to suffering. And I love how much Jesus uses Peter in the Bible to show just how dumb we are. That constantly happened. Like, poor Peter. He was constantly like a, a living example of Jesus' words. But that's the role he played, and he played it well. Um, John 18, let's read from verse 1. When he had finished praying, that's all of John 17, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a, a garden, and he and his disciples went to it. Just so you know, that's where Jesus prayed three times. Remember, and the disciples couldn't stay awake, and he was getting frustrated with them. That's when uh, the famous passage where he was so stressed about going to the, the cross that it was like blood, that he was sweating. I mean, the stress and the strain. And I want to remind you of this. When people are like, oh, he was super stressed about going to the cross, you've got to remember this was going to be the first time when he died on the cross that he was actually separated from the Father. The stress wasn't, I don't think, the nails per se. It was the break in relationship with intimacy with the Father. So we just got to be reminded of that, and I'll preach on that, but I won't go into it now. So that's where this happens, but it's also where Judas betrays him. It says in, uh, go on to verse 2. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked him, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with him. Some of you might ask, like, why does it Judas the traitor because there's actually two Judases. So John doesn't want to get people get mixed up. There's another Judas who's a disciple that I'm sure he wished he had a, a nickname or maybe a different name. Maybe he's like, bro, give me a different name. But then there was Judas the traitor. So there's two of them that were disciples. That's why John's clarifying there. So the other guy doesn't come off looking bad in the Bible. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And again, he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, there he said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, and if you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. All right, here comes Peter onto the stage. Then Simon Peter, who had the sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Peter's trying to defend Jesus, right? You're about to suffer, and I'm going to keep you from suffering. You remember how over and over Jesus reminded the disciples? You remember how we read? He says, hey, I'm going to go to the cross. And you remember what the disciples' response was? No. Right? Because our God doesn't suffer, and we shouldn't suffer. We're exempt from it. Our God will keep us from suffering. We're going to flourish with God. Maybe some of us grew up in those church environments that are like that, right? That if you follow God, you have more money in the bank, you have a, a, a full head of hair, all things go well, you get the promotion, you get the car you want, you get all these things because God. And so some of us have grew up in that kind of thing and it's like, no, 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 no. 
were not exempt. But even the disciples thought that God should be, or Jesus should be exempt and they should be exempt. So Peter lashes out because he doesn't want Jesus to suffer. And look what Jesus does. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Look at the response of Jesus. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? The suffering, let's not forget, of Jesus was given by God. Why? I want to encourage you with this. The power of God is always preceded by the love of God. This is super important because all of us want to see the power of God in our life. We want to see miraculous things happen. We want to see amazing things. We want to be empowered by God. And this is where we got, where we got to understand is the power of God is preceded by and actually proceeds from the love of God. The greater the act of love, the greater the power of God. His power always goes through the vehicle of love. When we lack love, we lack power. So for Jesus to die and resurrect, for the power of God to be, to be just resounding through not only earth here, but again through the spiritual realm that Satan would know, death is defeated. Jesus must love by laying down his life. There is no resurrection without a death. And that death was done in love. Because he realized the only way for all people to be forgiven is for an innocent man to die for those who are guilty. And all of us, the Bible says, are guilty of rebellion towards God. That's all sin is. We all rebel towards God at different levels and at different ways, but we all do it. And so we're freed by the blood of Jesus, which is an act of love that preceded then an act of power by God as he was resurrected. So when we suffer, this is why, and if you want to write these passages down, I don't have time to read it. I just want to get you thinking and get you curious. Read this week, 2 Corinthians 4. It's not a long chapter. I'm not giving you too much. Again, take you five minutes. 2 Corinthians 4, and then read 1 Peter 4. Again, three to five minutes and you're done with it. Those talk about that it's through suffering that we actually die to ourselves and we rise anew in Jesus. Suffering is how God rids us of our selfish ways and how then he can work through us. That's where people see Jesus. This is why Paul says, when I am weakest, he is strong. When I am least, he is greatest. The problem with that is in life is we want to be the great ones. We want to be empowered. And so people don't see a lot of Jesus in our life because we're self-sustaining. What suffering does when we have courage and that we realize God is in us, his spirit is in us, he has a purpose for it. There's no suffering that goes that's, that, that lacks purpose. He uses it for his glory when we suffer righteously, which means that we stay in his love. As far as loving others through it, loving him through it, called the perseverance of, of, of uh, the saints, right? It talks about that a Christian will always persevere 
In fact, you kind of find out true Christianity. Is someone really Christian? Give them a little suffering, and we're going to find out quickly. If it was a fad, if it was just kind of like I went through something, that suffering is proof of that, and that I come out, and I still love God, and I still love other people. How many of us have suffered, or we've seen suffering, where all it did was embitter people, it didn't make them more loving? All it did was keep, now I don't trust people because of suffering. I've had a few bad relationships. I went through a divorce. This kind of happened, and now I don't trust people. And what happens is when I lack love, I will always lack God's power in my life. And what God said is, I'm going to raise the suffering so that you're less and he's greater so that you can love like him and that we can see the power of God more. Nothing changes the world more. And this is really important, I think, right now for us too because we're in a very contentious time in our society. And even Christians are getting wrapped up in being contentious online, even churches about getting political and blah, blah, and they're, they're battling in a political way rather than like, no, this is a spiritual battle. Why don't we see even government as a spiritual battle? Let's change this. This is why we've been so adamant here. If you love politics more than Jesus, you're not going to survive here. This won't be a good place for you. I believe the greatness of Christianity is that when things get worst is when we love most. Because that's when people see Jesus most. We don't avoid suffering. We don't avoid um, things getting difficult. We look for an opportunity to be less of ourselves, more like Jesus. And when we die to ourselves, guess what? That's when the power then of God to raise up someone new. And when people see Jesus, that's when lives are changed. That's when lives are changed. The cross is an amazing example of that. And that's what we're going to be going towards in the next few weeks. Um, it's encouraging to see this in our lives. I want to encourage you that a great way to encourage other people is by the way you suffer and suffering faithfully, suffering lovingly, embracing it, knowing that you will overcome and you have overcome through Jesus. But that's an encouragement when you see someone like suffer and suffer well, right? You get, you get emboldened by it. And that's a great way for the church to encourage each other. This is why um, the church that we came from, as far as when we planted this church, we came from a great church. And I really enjoyed working with a man. He's a pastor, Steve. And I've known Steve for over 25 years. This is why I enjoyed working with Steve. This is why I enjoyed that church so much. And this is why I think that church was so blessed. And I have permission to share this story. I asked for permission because um, Steve, uh, when we were uh, pastoring that church, we had a, a couple um, and they were struggling with addiction. Um, and if you struggle with addiction, you know, it can be very difficult. And so it requires a, um, a unique kind of love and a love with wisdom, but also requires a lot of boundaries. And so we were helping this family through their addiction and things like that. Um, but uh, we found out that they were drinking and driving with the kids in the car. And they were going to where they're endangering their kids and things like that. And so, you know, this is why the Bible talks about that there is no love without truth. If we lack truth, we lack love because truth is what sets you free, right? We, we know that from the pandemic. We know that, right? You know what truth is. Truth is 
Blue jeans, not sweatpants, right? Sweatpants lie to you, right? I haven't gained any weight because your sweatpants won't tell you. Like, man, I look as good as ever. And then, you're, and then through the pandemic, you tried to eat whatever you want. You thought, man, this is amazing. My body hasn't changed at all. And then you put on the blue jeans. The blue jeans don't lie. Those are the truth, right? The truth and love of like, oh my God, I need to stop eating donuts and I need to start running marathons again, right? <laughs> you know, do whatever you do. But if we lie to ourselves, we keep doing the same behavior and it's not good for us. So don't tell me that truth is a lack of love. Truth is love. So we wanted to love them as far as like, guys, this is, this is a no-go. In fact, we're required by law to call CPS and to make sure the kids are safe. Like that's the most loving thing to do. Well, I don't know if you've ever been confronted in life, but most of us don't respond well, well when someone confronts you, right? So not only did they lash out at the church, gossiping about um, myself and Steve, and Steve mainly really came down hard on him. And, well, we go, we go to good old social media, posting things about the pastor, about the church. If you had that done to you, what would be your first response? Some of you don't want to say at church, right? Violence, you know, you know. You'd want to defend yourself online and all those kinds of things. This is why I respect Steve so much. Never said a thing. Does that remind you of anyone who never said a thing when he was suffering, when he was getting spit on, when he was getting slapped? Does that, does that remind you of anybody? Jesus, right? I'm telling you guys, when you truly read the Bible and look at Jesus, he wants you to literally mimic and copy him. When you get spit on online, how about we just say nothing? Well, how will I defend myself? What will people think? Well, God will take care of you. That's why he's God. And you're not. So he's quiet. And then all of a sudden rumors start, even in the church, right? Oh, blah, blah, you know? Maybe some people leaving now. Oh, is it true? Is it all that kind of stuff? Steve just loved well, tell us about them, you know, and people are trying to get inside info and Steve's like, no, I ain't saying a thing. That's between us. That's not between you. If you were involved, I'd let you know, but that's between us. And if they want to settle it, just loving, kind. We'd have meetings. He would pray for them. And not those mean prayers of, you know, I'm going to pray for them and God pray that they suffer. And God, I pray that that get even with them. Not those kind of prayers. God, I pray that they would break their addiction. I pray for safety for them. I pray that they would find, you'd even pray, I pray they'd find a great church. <laughs> How about that? Just find a great church, be in a church, even if it's not ours. It went even further where we found out that um, they were financially really hurting, which addiction does, right? It drains your money, it drains your relationships. And so a bunch of us then decided to give money. And what's cool is Steve did it and he did it anonymously so that they wouldn't be offended. How cool is that? Not like, hey, you know, I'm going to love you, but I want you to know it's from me, so you feel bad about yourself. That's not loving. Did it, not, didn't put their name on the envelope, left it there, gave them money. And you look at that saying, but Brian, they're, Steve's not winning. They're winning. Evil's winning. Division's winning. It's the mindset of a victim. It's the mindset of someone that's been overwhelmed. Do you believe that God conquers? Do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is working even when you're not? Do you believe that he can overcome everything if you just trust him? This is why, just so you know, 
Just before in John 16, he says, I am the vine, you are the branch. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. He says that just a few verses before. Why? Because I have overcome. You will overcome because I've overcome. But remain in me. And that's not just remaining in Jesus. not just like doing a Bible study. Remaining in him means that the way you act, the way you think, I'm going to remain in that even when the world says, don't trust God now. Don't love like him now. Don't do it now. You will lose. No. And the impossible happens. The power of God is preceded by loving like God. Steve loved them like God. Steve loved them sacrificially. Months later, look who just showed up at church. Alex and Amanda with the kids. Not only that, an apology. And not an I told you so from Steve. Not, well, look at, all, look at all that I went. No, it's great to have you back. But Brian, they wounded him. They wounded his reputation. They wounded the church. People left because of all kinds of stuff. Steve knew, God's got me. God's got them. Check out what this love did. Not only did it bring them back to church, they would get back involved. Their addiction would be broken. They've been set free ever since. It's been several years now, if not more, you know, been 10 years now. Not only that, both of them work at the church. One in children's ministry, one is the facility supervisor. One leads, uh, and then Alex leads the men's ministry. How about that? Do you think any of that would happen if Steve would have lashed out too? Oh, you do that to me? I'll do this to you. Oh, I'm going to defend myself. Oh, what happened over there? Well, they were drinking and driving with their kids. Oh, we didn't know that. Can you imagine how that would have? The power of God is always preceded by the love of God. So when you're suffering, know that remain in Jesus because he has overcome. The Holy Spirit is in you. Then he will work through you. Heaven is coming and victory is his. There is no Defeat. This is where Jesus says, be courageous. Be strong. Why? Because the victory is his. If the victory is his, the victory is yours. I want to go back to this last statement as the worship team comes up. Success requires the ability to embrace and overcome suffering. And I believe that success spiritually in order to embrace and overcome suffering means that you embrace Jesus. You embrace Jesus. Remain in him and he will remain in you. So whatever you're going through, just know that God is with you, that God is in you, and that he's working, and that what looks like a defeat now, you will be blown away, will be a victory later, whether it's in heaven or maybe even months or years from now that you will see the power of God as you experience the love of God. This is why we take communion at any point during worship. Just so you know, you can go over and all communion is, it's nothing special. We bought it for like super cheap off Amazon. All right. It's not like, and it's not wine. It's just juice. But it represents something in your heart that says, you know what? Thank you for the love. But also remember this, that his love then, that's where his power came from. And that'll be the same thing in your life. 
that we may love like him and experience his power. So you can take communion during worship if you want. Um, you can listen to the worship. Again, you can follow on the app. We have the, the words there if you want to sing along. But let's just take time and kind of just um, be encouraged by and be strengthened by the words of Jesus as we sing to him. So Jesus, we thank you so much. That when it comes to suffering, that we're not victims, we're not paralyzed, and it's not meaningless. That as Christians, we have a perspective that we trust you, that you will use all suffering for your glory. I praise a church that we'd suffer well. We wouldn't avoid it. We wouldn't act like it's not happening. But we'd see ourselves in a way as far as, you know what? If Jesus did it, then I will do it. Trusting that you will grow fruit from barren land. Trusting that whatever is broken, you will heal. Trusting that you will use whatever we go through will inspire others and change their lives too. I pray we'd be a church that is inspirational. I pray we'd be a church that the way we love would draw them to you. I pray that we would suffer in a way, God, that we become less and you become more, that people actually see you in us. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.